Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Are you telling me you built a time machine? What about the warrior? The Statue of Liberty is kaput. Disconcerting. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Surprise! Welcome to the Sita Siblings Draft, the podcast where two brothers draft their favorite top fives within film. I'm Ian. And I'm James. And Jamie. What are we drafting today? Oh, wait, you don't know, because we're surprising everyone, even ourselves. We've chosen four. One, two, three, four. Four categories within film. We're going to roll a four-sided die, a D4. And then we're going to wing it from there. We're going to eyeball it, as, yeah. as Iron Man says. So just before we, we went on air, we have looked at our master list of potential ideas. Ian picked two, I picked two, and now we are going to roll with it. And so for our four category, four possible categories, we have number one, Lord of the Rings moments. Number two dystopian films number three monster movies and number four trilogies slash tetralogies or quadrilogies or whatever but i'm pretty sure it's tetralogies uh so film franchises that come or in threes or fours and i think the fours is there just as a technicality for indiana jones that's a trilogy i thought <laughs> it is all right so, because I'm going to technologically D&D it up, I'm going to roll my D4 here. You ready? I'm ready. Bam. Number one, it's going to be Lord of the Rings moments. I'm not ready. <laughs> All, All right. right. Phones away. We're going to wing it. This is one that's a little bit easier to wing, honestly, since we've actually watched all the films ad nauseum since they came out, you know, 20 some odd years ago. Well, no, not quite 20 years ago. No, no, no. Well, 2001, I was a freshman in high school. All right. You ready to play a game and see who goes first? Yeah, let's do it. Movies with a dragon. Okay. Dragonheart. Damn it. I was going to watch that. Reign of Fire. That was my one. I was going to, it was like a dark horse pick. Reign <laughs> of Fire. The Hobbit, Desolation of Smaug. Uh, the Hobbit, the original animated film. Nice. Uh, the Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. I see. I thought he was dead already. In yeah, he shows up at the very beginning. Oh, well, you're going with Lord of the Rings themes here, huh? Um, uh, 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 Pete's Dragon. Oh, can I do the Peach Dragon the remake? No. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> what? There's gotta be. More. Why aren't there as many dragon movies as I think there are? Um, I lose again. Aragon. Oh gosh, I was thinking about that movie the other day and how like they obviously so obviously set up sequels and they never made any of them because the movie was so bad. Book series apparently good, but I never read it. I started reading the first one and couldn't get through it, and I was like, "This looks like something one of my students would write, like is a you know creative writing exercise." And I'd give it a good grade, but I can't read it. And then I learned like the kid wrote it when he was like an actual kid wrote it, Um, and I was like, "Oh." Okay, I feel kind of bad now because I was judging a little harshly, but could never get into it. Mm. Mm. Yep. Mm. What a, Sleeping Beauty, doesn't Maleficent turn into a Yeah, drag? yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like you're just rubbing it in at this point. I had two in the chamber. Even though you took my Dragonheart, Dark Horse, terrible movie pick. <laughs> Is that Kevin Costner? Wait, which one? Dragonheart. No. It's um I know Sean Connery is the voice of the dragon. Dude, no, it's not. It's Dennis um, Quaid. Dennis Quaid. I couldn't think of the daggum name. Or is it not Nicholas Quaid? Who's the other yeah, the better Nicholas, looking one. The better looking Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Okay. Frequency. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Lord of the Rings moments. And I'm going first. Shit. E. Uh, all right. So we get going and going and going and going and going into round one. Round one. Yeah. So do you want to you want to talk about Lord of the Rings at all before we go into it? <laughs> Lord of the Rings is the greatest trilogy ever made. Ah, so that would have went first if we did qu- trilogies, right? <laughs> <laughs> it would have. It would have all definitely right. gone for at least for me. Uh, it, it beats out all the. It, it really is the best franchise. Part of it is is that it's going on a book series that would that took a long time to make. I think twelve years from to actually write it. Um, and then the thing is, and, and this is one thing I'm, I've learned with like my own writing process, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Tolkien, it's his world building is so on point that um, there's, there's so much going on and so, so much depth. And see, you're already yawning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going but, in blind, baby. Awesome. Yeah. But I mean, we're, we're looking at the movies here, but the, the movies and the, like this was a problem with like the, the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is like they knew where they were going. They were filming all these at one time. Right. There was no difference of directors, different writers trying to meld their visions of these comic book characters or these new characters that they hope to make into these iconic, you know, things that people will enjoy for years to come no these were characters that were already beloved by millions of people across the globe different cultures um and this it's it was a unified piece i mean tolkien wanted to print the whole book as one thing but his publisher was like are you crazy no we can't do that sorry um so the source material in this case as opposed to so many others, is really, it's, it's a superior work. Um, and so even the changes they made, they work. But like the changes they made in the film, as opposed to the books, they work. But um, it's just a lot, a lot more going on. Um, and it's a much more unified piece. So yeah, does that give you enough time to come up with your number one pick? <laughs> I mean, last week I took a scene from Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. at number one. Yeah. So should I change it up? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, figure out. Let's go into round one and figure out where the heck this is going. Because I don't know what the... Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Round one. Fight. Um, so my first round pick. Um, shoot. We're just like whole scenes or just moments. Also, are we banning the Hobbit films? They're not. Yeah, Lord this of the is Rings. just Lord of the Rings. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Because there's a lot of Hobbit talk at the beginning of this thing about all these dragons and stuff. Are you gonna defer? Am I gonna defer? You first won round? the game. I mean, it's like it's fantasy football draft. Like you could defer your first round pick, right? I could trade it. Yeah, right. You want to trade uh, it? Yeah, I'll trade it. I'll trade my first round pick to you. Good so, because the Rohirrim showing up at the Pel- Battle of the Pelennor. I knew you're gonna pick that. So is yeah. it, it? Well, it wasn't the first thing I thought of, but then I realized, like, going, no, that that's the one. That's the one. Um, because I honestly, my mind was uh, still on the the deaths thing. So I've got like Boromir dies, and that yeah, I was mad at you about that from last week. Uh, but no, the Rohirrim showing up at the Battle of Pelennor Fields, where well, we've got um, and I don't remember specifically if it's a theatrical release or in the extended cut because I've only really seen the extended cut since like they come out so like you only like i only watch the extended cuts if i'm going to watch the film right but like you have gandalf facing off against uh the the king of the nazgul the witch king of angmar and you 
you know, he's having a, t- a rough go of it because these are two like really powerful dudes way beyond everybody, you know, running around fighting in this battle. And then you hear the, the horn of, of uh, the Rohirrim and all of the horns uh, because the Rohirrim have come, the, the cavalry is here. Uh, and this is like, it's just a beautiful moment of, you know, when the things, and this is, this is something Tolkien does a lot of is he called it, you know, you catastrophe, a good catastrophe. And, you know, when things are the darkest as they could get, when you think there is no hope, hope springs. And, you know, this is that moment, uh, at least it's one of those moments in Return of the King. We actually get quite a few of them in Return of the King. Um, and, you know, and, and the thing about it is, it's like, these are just, they're men. They are being honorable. They are doing, they're facing down monsters that they don't know that they can beat, but they're going to fight anyway because it's the right thing to do. And you're going to fight that losing fight. And this is, this is one of the central themes in the whole of Lord of the Rings, particularly in Return of the King. Yeah. So the Rohirrim showing up at the Battle of Pelennor Fields is definitely my number one choice with Theoden riding, you know, with a sword coming down and then chanting death, uh, you know. So, Yeah. Definitely, definitely my number one pick. I mean, I don't have much to add to that. That was pretty good. Uh, and you, we talked. You talked about that a lot in our superior sequels draft, uh, mm-hmm. where you took Return of the King overall number one. But uh, yeah, it's a good. It was a good first pick. I'm glad I deferred because kind of get <laughs> get. Uh, I wouldn't say that was my first pick, but it's certainly epic. Um, mm-hmm. and, I didn't feel like I was jacking you with that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely belongs. I don't, I wouldn't, I would have taken it in my top five for sure. All right. My number one pick. It took me a second to get here, but I remember, no, no, no. I was like thinking about it. I was like, what is the best moment? What is my favorite moment? Like favorite Mm -hmm. moment, Lord of the Rings. And it's, uh, it's time for Faramir, captain of Gondor, to show his quality. It's the moment where he rides to take Faramir rides to retake Osgiliath. And uh, which one's Billy Boyd? Is that Pippin? Yes. Yeah, Pippin uh, has to sing to Denethor as he mm-hmm. shovels and scarfs food down um, the the tomato, the cherry mm-hmm. tomato. That's a it's a great scene. He's just just chowing down on his feast um, as his son basically rides to his death mm-hmm. and the Nazgul swooping down and just kind of just like taking care of business. And then finally uh, we Gandalf comes and, you know, rescues them sort of with the, no, that's, that's not the same scene. Nope. Yeah. That's not the same. No, maybe not. But Gandalf comes and rescues when they flee Osgiliath. Right, the original with the the light. light. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, one they, of the few times plead. you see Gandalf use it. But yeah, no, this Gandalf kind of like pleads with him not to go. That he throw you don't throw your life away. You know, right? Yeah. And and I I agree with this pick. It's actually okay. one that's not really book oriented so much, if I recall correctly. But what's nice about it is, is they take different elements um, and uh, Billy Boyd singing this song that's yes. in, it's in the book, it's, yeah. but it's not really ever juxtaposed like this. Um, you know, the, the home is behind the world ahead and there are many paths to tread through sorrow through the edge of night. And you're like, when you read the poem in the book and like it sticks with you because it's one of the ones that's actually pretty catchy. Um, but whenever he's singing it and it's juxtaposed to this ride 
against the orcs who have taken Osgiliath. So when when it's juxtaposed with that, and it's like to the edge of night, you're like, oh, maybe, you know, it's like, I don't think Tolkien meant it exactly this way, but I think he would approve. Like, I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm, I'm good with this. This is good. This is, this is in fact, brilliant. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good choice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the singing really makes the, the, the score, the singing is really uh, what makes this scene so freaking good. And even though we know, like, these little, all this, whatever, looks like 30 guys on horseback are no match for these Nazgul and these grotesque orcs. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're sticking with Snake Draft, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Round two. My number two pick. Mm-hmm. I got it ready. Okay, good. That's part of our intro sometimes. You shall not pass. That's a good one. Uh, Gandalf versus the Balrog. Nice. Uh, definitely the, the iconic movie death as well, if we were talking from last week. But Gandalf um, on the bridge in the Mines of Moria, you know, fighting the Balrog. Think he's, think he's won and then gets ganked down by that whip. <laughs> uh, and the very... Uh, as he's walking away, kind of, but and then we, we get fly you fools, another good line, and you see how it deeply affects everybody. And then, it, of course, it's expounded upon in the two towers what actually happens as they they actually do battle in the depths of Moria. He dies and succumbs to his wounds and whatnot. But right. yeah, but that whole thing with the you shall not pass. I mean that the. I mean that. Screams Lord of the Rings. You could just say that and people would know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I agree. You can't. I, I mean, that's... yeah. 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 I, I'm with it. you with it. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm at a little bit of a crossroads here, but I think I'm going to go with the moment of great heroism in Samwise Gamgee defeating the giant spider Shelob. That's a good uh, one. That was a good one. He's fighting with a frying pan and sting. I mean, it's brilliant. Is it no, it's not a frying pan. It's it's the uh the light from from Galadriel. Yeah, he's uh, got to have that. <laughs> it's a frying pan. <laughs> well, no, he fights with the frying pan against the cave troll. But really what this is and, and Tolkien talked about it, like these books have, and, and films as well, by proxy too, have been like analyzed to death by fans, by scholars, by Tolkien himself. But Samwise Gamgee is the greatest hero of them all. And because of, of everybody, he doesn't have necessarily the greatest burden, but he's the one who leaves his comfort zone more than anybody else and does greater things than he appears to have been destined to do as a gardener hobbit. He's a low-class servant of a diminutive race. He's, he's not strong. He's not smart. He's just an eavesdropper. <laughs> I ain't been dropping no eaves, sir. No, he's, He's it's it's and, and Sean Astin's portrayal is absolutely spot on. He's probably he is one of the, the most spot on portrayals uh, in the film. Most of most of the casting is really, really good. Um, but like Sean Astin just nails Samwise. But when he is confronted with one, he thinks Frodo is dead. He 
willingly takes the burden of the ring himself. He fights off a giant spider. Now we don't know whether or not he kills him, but he certain or kills her, but we know that he sticks her uh, in the belly with sting, which we don't really get the idea. Like he's not got a whole, whole lot of supernatural help. He does have the, the light of Elbereth, you know, in the vial, uh, but like yeah. he's he's his he's working on on fumes here. Like they're they're passing Kirith Ungol. Like they've been on this hellish hellish journey, and I think this is one of the the moments of greatest heroism in the entire trilogy. So Samwise defeating Shelob is my number two. All right. So, it's time for round three. Round three. And that, I guess, is me. Yep. All right. So, what I'm going to do now is go from heroism to really the, the fall. And in this case... I know that Frodo gets a lot of flack sometimes by the fandom, but really this one is where Frodo chooses to not what ending, right? You're taking the ending ish. Yeah. All right. Spoiler warning. Go ahead. Oh, come on. <laughs> With us? I mean, we're, dra- we're drafting the moments. Uh, yeah, Frodo choosing to not destroy the One Ring, and he puts it on. This, this moment, this scene, what it is, is it's, it shows the, the power of the ring, and we thought that if they could just get here, if they could just make it, then it would all be okay, and they're here, and we just know he just has to toss it over the precipice into the lava and it will be unmade. And the answer is no. And so it really kind of gives us a, a feeling of like, you, wait, why? You know, like we realize in this point that we don't understand the ring as readers or as an audience, like, we don't get what's happened to Frodo, how much this has been a burden, not just a burden, but a temptation this whole time. And it's horrifying in a lot of ways because the hobbits are, are, are written to be kind of, you know, they're bumpkins and like, they're the fish out of water. They, they are kind of like us. Um, not not humanity so much, but us as individuals, um, more or less. Frodo being particularly, um, you know, he's more of the the higher aristocracy uh, class, and Samwise, you know, representing more of the uh, servant class, which we don't really, uh, you know, I don't think we get a full picture of it in America, um, but you know we fall to temptation that's the thing that we do but this like is even this a much more massive temptation yeah and it's like in this moment you're like oh no is this is it all what's happening like is the bad guy really gonna win is the ring the real bad guy like is is the is the ring Sauron and and is Sauron the ring? So this is this is a moment that that I think is is really truly a great moment in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It definitely subverts your expectations. Uh, you think the hobbits are just going to throw it in, and that's it. Yeah. And you know they might die doing it like the volcano might explode or something like it might be tragic but you think that you're going to get this satisfying like moment but of Mm -hmm. course that's not what we get here um 
we get like a oopsie kind of thing like it happens but it's it's definitely not what anyone but sam is trying to do here right <laughs> um so i guess it's my round three mm-hmm. and i'm gonna go with a moment of heroism and definitely a moment that pays off this character's journey um, I'm going with the death of the Witch King at the hands of Eowyn. Um, Dernhelm. That was the character's name in, in the book like that she's posing as. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Book nerd. I've read them, or I listen to the audiobooks. They're very hard to read, but um, with modern sensibilities, they're, they're kind of like, hmm, you definitely have to squint a bit and reread a lot so listening to them helps on audiobook anyway fair enough i think this is one of the biggest payoffs for a character um in the series you get this this woman this her journey of she's like i can fight i can help let me do and you know even aragorn acknowledges like you're pretty good with the sword like but she's often like look after the women and children and she is one of the higher class she is royal royalty as far as the the kingdom of rohan goes but mm-hmm. she's always tasked with watching over the women and children and then she poses as like you said dernhelm which is a book reference not in the film it's not given uh, no, i don't think it's necessary in the film cuz no. cuz it's it's the reveal in in the book is actually like what yeah yeah right because you can't really do that with a movie no it's a little bit well you could but it's, it, it would feel cheap right we're going more with dramatic irony in the film right 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 especially as amr finds his sister who's you know dying essentially. not supposed to be there at all right uh like yeah so, but yeah, the I am no, no, no man can kill me. And then the, she takes off the helmet. I am no man. <laughs> right in the, right. right in the, the, well, uh, the empty space of a ring race or the Nazgul. Now, the, the, the king of the Nazgul, you know. Don't forget that this is not just a moment of Eowyn's heroism, but it's it also, also oh, well, I was going to get into Mary, but yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but as she is not supposed to be there, neither is Mary because they're, you know, a, uh, King Theoden's like, no, or Aomer, somebody's like, no, you can't come. Basically. It's Theoden. won't let him go because it, you can't, it, you can't sit with us. Well, it's the same, it's the same premise of why they won't let Aowen go because it's like, it, and, and you can argue that it's sexism or, you know classism or whatever but they it's about these men view it as their role as protect yeah i get right they their their job is to protect it's a kind of a complementarian sort of sort of thing and they're like no our job is to protect those who shouldn't be out there fighting orcs you know like this is not this is not your your place this is our role and it's it's not one that we we happen to to love but like we can't just start letting you go out there and and get killed because you're going to get killed like our job is to protect you not let you go get killed so it's this it it's the reason why he won't let mary go because like you can't you won't be an asset out there you're going to be a liability and you know, you can argue the rightness or wrongness of it. That's not what I'm here to do. It's just, it's what their view is. And right. I think Tolkien makes a point. And, and, and this is really a central theme in the whole work is that your ability to be a hero is not, it's, it's not about, I don't know exactly how to phrase it, you can't your your ability to be a hero is not something that you can just easily see. It's it's about the sum of your actions, what you're willing to do. And I think like his his view of Sam 
and and what he would say about Sam, you know, being the ultimate hero of the entire story. Yeah, you know, it's like you're he he's the weakest, and it, but he was willing to go the furthest out of his comfort zone. You know, he's he's the lowest class character in the entire uh, group of of character. You know, entire cast. He's short, weak, untrained, unlearned, stupid, fat Herbert. Exactly. But we're not talking about Sam. But but the thing is, is it's the same premise though. It's it's the idea that Eowyn is not a warrior. Supposed to be a warrior. She you know she's a shield maiden. The shield maiden would you know carry the shield, but like. she was a supporting she was supposed to be a supporting figure but because of who she was as an individual she could be that that hero or heroine rather and mary likewise because of who he was willing to be uh because of of the choices that they both made they were able to do this and you know we do lose some some of the the details in the movie that the the books kind of play out with it wasn't just a regular random sword that Mary stabs into. Right. It was given to him by Tom Bombadil, who's not in the film. So, well, it's not just that he gets it from the, the tomb of the Barrow whites who were enemies of the witch King. Like mm. that, this haunt, it's like a haunt the, the rather that the Barrow whites themselves weren't necessarily enemies, but they, um, the weapons that they find in the horde there were made by, the I think the Gondorian, not the Gondorians, but the um, the men of Arnor who are Numenorians. Yeah, I must say Numenor. Yeah, yeah. So, which we, we might see some in this new Lord of the Rings uh, film. So hopefully we'll see some some of that kind of stuff play out a little bit. All right. Yeah. So it's uh, my number four pick. Let's head into round four. Round four. Round four. All right, my <laughs> I can't get the quotes right right now without like any prep, but it's one of my favorite moments is uh is Gollum's plan to get the ring back. And it's uh it's, it goes something like uh we Kill the fat Herbert, and we'll take it. Kill them, and we'll take it for me, for us. Let's let's remember for us. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite moments. So Smeagol talking to Gollum, and Gollum talking to Smeagol. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, that was a know, great the, scene. Yeah, and you get the reflection in the water, and then of course Sam like walks in on it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like. Uh, but Gollum's plan to get the ring back and take it for himself, for us, right, uh, is one of my most quoted moments of, uh, and definitely a bit of a bit of comedy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Circus as Gollum is one of the best things in, about the whole thing, but sure. We barely get him in fellowship and we we start getting you know he his dude i remember watching the two towers trailer just because of Gollum, like that when he's mm-hmm. like coming down the thing like thieves they're filthy little thieves uh yeah mm-hmm. I've yeah that, that was good so many i watched that trailer so many times so i'm like uh, i think Gollum's my favorite character in all of four of the rings he's so he's very complex and and tragic in a lot of ways uh and a representation of what frodo can become if he succumbs to the temptations of the ring and we which we see play out in your uh was it your round three you know we see him succumb and he's like this is mine much like uh Gollum calls it his precious like this uh-huh. is what's precious is most precious to him is the ring so the, the Gollum's is probably my favorite character in the entire series. If you asked me when the series came out, it would probably be Legolas, but 
now I was just like watching the movies. I'm like, Legolas just literally just states the obvious the entire film. <laughs> I mean, well, they're taking the, the hobbits thing. to Isengard. Thanks, thanks, Legolas. Thanks. Well, honestly, like when I re- I did a reread. I mean, I used to do it like a yearly reread. Um, That's intense. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I don't do that anymore. You know, working kids and stuff. But the um, when I I did one after watching the movie, and I did read the books before the movies came out. Like I wanted to read them. Like yeah. they, I had I had like the novels that were like, oh, an upcoming feature from New Line Cinema, and like, okay, yeah, I, I think need, I have I, them all. At- all is one and Ian McKellen's on the front as Gandalf. Yeah. But like, so when I did a reread after I was like super familiar with all the films. Um, so like all the extended editions had come out and I, I was, I'd seen them all, you know, half a dozen times at least. And I'm rereading and I'm like, man, Tolkien didn't really do a lot with these characters. Like Aragorn's a very different character from the uh, from book to film, um, and and Tolkien really took a much more like mythological type approach, um, but like Legolas, he's not he's not very well developed at all. But none of the elves really, like the elves are so far above a lot of this. Like, I mean, they're literally detaching themselves from the entire thing. Exactly. The entire, it, the Merkwood elves, I don't know much about, but which is but, where Legolas is from. But anyway, Legolas is, is but he's of a, an Eldar line. Like he's not, he's not one of the Sylvan elves. He lives with them, but he's, he's Thranduil, the, the leader of the Merkwood elves. He's not some young dude. Like he's old, 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 old. And that, yeah that's difficult to, to come across as like, I've been alive for 3000 years. Like it's hard to act that, um, you know, so sometimes, you know, we, we forget that. Hmm. Yeah. These, these folks, they don't see things the same way. And right. that's, that's a difficult thing to deal with, but anyway. Yeah. So Gollum's plan is my number four pick. Yeah, man. We got off on a tangent there. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So my number four pick. My number four pick is going to be kind of, it's kind of a wider, almost a, a, a whole arc in the first film, but it's the breaking of the fellowship, um, which is basically precipitated by um, Bormir trying to take the ring and Frodo leaving and on his own and you know this is sam chasing after him and he's just like yeah but i'm coming with you um and then like so in the in the book we don't have the clean cut uh where aragorn who is the ostensible leader of the group knows that frodo is going to mordor on his own he he has to kind of like make a choice of is he going to go over into Emin, uh, Emin Weir and, or Weir and chase after Frodo, where he thinks Frodo might have gone? An endless rab- labyrinth with razor-sharp rocks. Yeah. Right. Or is he going to go after the hobbits that have been taken to, towards Isengard? And we don't know. Like, he doesn't know. In the films, it's a little bit cleaned up, but still, the the whole breaking of the fellowship. It's it's a strong ending, and and really, it's the beginning of uh, the book of the two towers. So it's kind of this whole thing of like leading into oh man, man, we're gonna we're gonna start this second movie. We know where it's going. It's gonna be awesome. You know, we just have the death of Boromir. We have. Um, like which is, is really emotional. We got into that in quite quite a bit. Both of us have said quite a bit about that, which I think it, well, that's why I didn't take it this week. But. Right, and so you know, but I think I think the strongest thing is them them letting Frodo go and Sam following 
faithfully, knowing the really the hopelessness of it. Because I mean, like Frodo's going alone. Like that's insane. The whole thing is insane. And Aragorn's just willing, he's willing to let him go because he's not willing to allow Merry and Pippin to be tortured and murdered by Saruman, which he knows will happen if they let him go. He knows that's going to happen. So it's, it's really good about, it's kind of like, a, it's a lot about doing the right thing, even though it's like, it's, it's, it's one of these ends justifying the means things. It's like, no, hell no. Ends do not justify the means. We cannot sacrifice doing the right, the good thing in order to, you know, achieve, achieve a greater goal. And that's one of the things that makes Aragorn such a big hero and Samwise too. And I mean, in all of them, they all agree to this. Yeah. So that's why the breaking of the fellowship is my number four pick. Cool. Let's head in round five and hear your round five pick. All right. Round five. So <clears throat> I'm going to stick in the fellowship because I, I, I stuck in Return of the King for, I think, the first three. So, in, and this is part of, uh, I guess, from the first time I watched the films and, and wonder, the, my favorite part of the books was always the chase up to Bray. And so we get, this is somewhat abbreviated in, uh, in the films, but the the parts where the the Nazgul are uh, have come to the Shire, uh, but the 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 Nazgul chase basically, um, where I like the first part particularly where you know they they get off the road and it's this hor- horrific sort of scene. Uh, they're kind of hiding in the roots of the trees and the bugs are crawling all over them. It's obviously like this like kind of, it's sort of a gross out thing, but it, it's meant to evoke the kind of fear that the Nazgul naturally evoke and um, the screams. Man, I think we, oh. the, they were so spot on from what I had imagined they would be in the book. Um, and it was just like, oh, oh man, that's what they sound like. That is, that's a freaking Nazgul. They found the real Nazgul. Like it's just perfect. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan. Um, so, but basically the Nazgul chase is uh, in, in, or maybe, maybe it's not the chase so much. Cause I'm not talking about the, after they find Aragorn, I'm not talking about after Bree. I'm talking about pre Bree. Pre Arwen, pre Aragorn. Right. Um, right. My favorite part is when they, it's that art. It's definitely inspired by uh I forget who is it. How John Howe's artwork? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, I could be wrong. It could it be might, Alan it, Lee. Yeah. It might be. Alan it might be Lee. Alan Lee or the Hildebrands or whoever. Uh, the, not the Hildebrands. The uh, where they're hiding under the the tree roots. Yeah, I actually think that's. I think that's actually Alan Lee, but I'm not sure. Right, and they <clears throat> he throws farmer <laughs> the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mary saves the day there. Or Pippin, yeah. Pippin, Pippin does that. I think one of them. It's either Mary or Pippin. Throws I think it's the, Mary. Throws the mushrooms, and uh, because they robbed Farber Maggot's crop, they saved the day. In the film, whatever. That's <laughs> is that your number five pick? That's my number five pick. Sweet. Nazgul chase to Bree. Hey, we're doing pretty good for no. Uh, what's it called? No prep. No prep. No I think, prep. I, I no think we prep. got the right subject because we both right. know these films pretty well. I'd be on the IMDb like, hmm, mm-hmm. what's the greatest dystopian movie? All right, my number five pick. I'm gonna. I went Return of the King, Fellowship, Return of the King, Return of the King. Is Gollum's plan in Return of the King? Yeah. Mm, no, I think that's... Oh, you may be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I'm going to go with the two towers for my final pick here. I know what it is. is. Go ahead. The last march of the Ents. Oh, I'm surprised. Yeah. I love, I absolutely adore the uh, entire battle sequence of Helm's Deep. But that's, that's what not, I thought you were going to take. That's not a moment for me. I feel like. Well, it's basically most of the film. Yeah, that's all a huge <laughs> chunk of a film. Uh, it's yeah, it's kind of like multiple a Zulu scenes, sort of thing. <laughs> multiple scenes, multiple moments. Like, if I would pick a moment, it'd been like, um, when they ride, they find they like blow the when Gimli blows the horn. You know, like, boom. yeah, the um, horn of Hammerhelm. Yeah, and they ride out, and they they think it's like this is their last ride, and then Gandalf mm-hmm. and Amor come, but. That's not my number five pick. My number five pick is the last march of the ants as the ants get pissed off at Saruman for most of these trees were my friends. They had voices and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And they much to Mary and Pippin's joy, they march on Isengard and really overthrow the place. They didn't oh, think yeah. they, they didn't think they were gonna win the ants. So obviously the last march of the ants. They thought they were all gonna march to their doom. But uh and then the moment is when he calls all the other ants and he's just like Roar! <laughs> and then they, they they all come out of the trees and Mary and Pippin's faces are just like, Oh yes, we did it. We we got them to fight. And they they really they beat Isengard to a pulp literally break the break the dam i mean this is a huge moment too but like there's there's multiple moments in this but uh yeah well this is a really a huge moment for mary and pippin too it's kind of a turning point for them because they're finally on their own so like if we we talk about the archetypes you know like you lose gandalf okay well gandalf is is the mentor figure and he needs to be gone so that everybody else can grow up and you know get on with it it's artificially done in the hobbit where he's basically like yeah i gotta go tend to some stuff guys uh y'all get through murkwood on your own but like here there's no aragorn there's no legolas there's no gimli like legolas aragorn and gimli are all like really old really experienced they're warrior types they are well versed in you know I know they use Gimli for for um, comic relief, which is fine in the context of the more serious Legolas and the Aragorn. But like, Merry and Pippin are out here on their own, and they're trying to figure. They're trying to be like, why don't you guys want to fight? And they really do inspire this because because in the film it's in the film it's it's Pippin. He he basically kind of manipulates. Tree beard back, in, like, to go, to go, go this way, and and it's like that's a big deal for Pippin, yeah. Um, and it, it's definitely showing character growth, and he's learning, and like he's still himself, and that's what's so that's what's so good about it. It's like, yeah, he's he's a troublemaker, so he knows how to make trouble. But in this case, I, I agree. I think I think, uh, and this is one I I actually considered taking at the last march of the ends. Um, but the, this is also like they're doing, like you said, without Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli. But they were close in the films, at least. They're more close with Boromir. We see them interact with mm-hmm. Boromir. Boromir's training them how to use their swords. That's true. And, and this is they watched him die. They watched him sacrifice himself for them. Yeah. And this is a huge moment of where, like, you know, what can we do? How can we? you know mm-hmm. be heroes like boromir and you know maybe not wow. maybe no. not in that way maybe not in the way that uh he did that boromir did mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice himself for them but what can they do is uh you know like you said manipulate the ants into seeing the destruction that isengard has done to fangorn forest and um you know it's it's a huge it's a huge moment is like would they have been able to overthrow isengard without the ints no um, no i don't think so 
Um, right, right. But, well, they wouldn't have really been able to deal with uh, the the Uruks at Helm's Deep without the Huorns, you know, the, the, the trees, trees. The, the, the moving living trees of Fangorn, which is only really just kind of paid. It's only in the extended edition that it's even dealt with at the right. very opening of Return of the King. But really, it's much it's a great bigger plot point because it's another one of these Tolkien Tolkien-esque you catastrophes where it's like, wait, you know, it's like we were going to we were going to lose this battle. And but we we won based on something we really had no control over. And so that's good. But I really like what you're talking about, though, with how the films use Boromir as the mentor figure for Marion Pippin. And his death is what precipitates. His death is exactly what precipitates their being carried off and separated from the rest of the fellowship. Right. So no, I think I think that's spot on, and um, not. And I don't think it's really reaching, um, it, not very far, not as far as the films are concerned, anyway. So I like it. Thanks. Uh, so let's uh, wrap up with. Uh some you know just re redoing our you know our lists here i <laughs> yeah. can't even i can't even think right now lord of the rings moments yeah our top five lord of the rings moments let's recap that's the word i'm looking for recap, recap. Our, um so ian me, me ian uh my number one pick is faramir charging back into osgiliath with pippin singing in the you know that scene mm-hmm my number two is You Shall Not Pass Gandalf versus the Balrog in Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, my number three pick is I Am No Man, Eowyn slaying the Witch King. A- I'm sorry, Eowyn and Mary slaying the Witch King. Four is Gollum's plan to take the ring. A Gollum slash Smeagol talking to themselves in the reflection of the water. And my number five pick is the last march of the ants right. in the two towers. And I, Jamie, my number one, the Rohirrim show up at the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Number two, Samwise Gamgee defeats Shelob. Number three, Frodo doesn't destroy the ring. The ring is mine. Number four, the breaking of the fellowship. And number five, the Nazgul chase to Bree. You got any honorable mentions to throw in? I mean, we kind of talked about a few of them. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know that I want to do honorable mentions for, for the surprise. Because like, those are usually things like, because, you know, when we over prep. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I like that the council of Elrond in, in the film. Really, yeah. It's very, the, meme, very memeable. The, yeah. It's, it's totally memeable. You know, it's not simply walk into Mordor. <laughs> no, but the, it's, it's, um, it's good. It's got the moment where, where Frodo, volunteers to take the ring but it's also got a lot of it's a lot of plot dump you know exposition dump rather um but in in the in the book like there's so much it's it's notorious the council of elrond is notorious for being like this super long i think it's like a twenty thousand word chapter or something it's all dialogue right no, I mean, a lot of it's dialogue. Yeah, it's like these paragraph, paragraphs upon paragraphs of dialogue. Uh, a lot of which is really, I guess at that point, almost monologue. But it's like, oh no, let me tell you my story because all these people have basically arrived here ready to tell all their tales and like we're learning a lot of things. But honestly, the Council of Elrond only make, in, the, in the books makes a lot more sense after you've read the books. And you're like, okay, I kind of understand the implications of why they were telling all this stuff. And I didn't really understand it when I was first reading it. So, um, but I think they did a good job with it in the, in the films and made it both dramatic and 
um, and, and, you know, much more character oriented. So my, I think I'll throw in two honorable mentions real quick. The history lesson at the beginning of the fellowship. Yeah. The, the prologue. I, yeah. I actually had that down as a potential moment. Like when it, when it started going there and I'm like, nah, that's not really it. But yeah, it's, it's, it draws you in. Oh yeah. And then the, uh, you only want it for yourself. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. That's a good one. I'm not trying to rub you. Yeah, that's my, that's one of my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, it's a small I'm, moment. It's not like this big, huge scene. It's a very small moment. And uh, it's setting up the ending of Frodo not wanting to let go of this thing, much like Bilbo didn't want to let go of this thing. Right. Um, so we get a lot of foreshadowing with just Bilbo. And, and then the, that moment in, in uh, Rivendell, when he sees the ring around Frodo's neck and he turns into this golem like golem <laughs> yeah. like creature in it. Yeah. I literally <laughs> jumped out of tinkled just to squirt <laughs> in the first yeah. time I watched it. You know, I'm in like middle school or elementary school or whatever, but uh, you know, uh, it's uh they got you with that jump scare. Yeah, I think I think uh, my my last honorable mention is going to be the the ultimate betrayal, the, like the last showdown with with uh, Gollum, and you know how clever Cobbets to to climb so high, and you know it's like actually, you know, Sam was right. Yeah, well, we you know, know Sam was right, but we knew of- Sam was right. Yeah, it's, it was a bit of dramatic irony, and I think it's fine, but it's it's finally nice to see it all out there and and be done it's like everybody knows that this is the case i'm glad everybody can see it now and you know really who is the greatest threat to everything everything they're trying to do it's not the witch king of angmar sauron is kind of this disembodied dark figure behind the doors it's no orc army it's it's not Saruman and his schemes. It's this wretched creature, Gollum, who is alive only by the pity of Bilbo and only by the pity of Frodo because of Bilbo's pity, because he's, he's trying to, to understand, you know, why you know he's trying to you know get why Bilbo spared him in the first place so he's going to kind of go with it and and I I think that it's it's really kind of important to see and and even and what it really reminds me of the whole thing with Gollum it kind of and and, you know Tolkien being a a Christian and a a Catholic and he's he's familiar with uh, biblical texts he he's definitely, I think, pulling from uh, like in, in the book of Genesis where Joseph has confronted his brothers who have, you know, sold him into slavery, basically told everybody he was dead. And he tells him, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so this is the same sort of thing as where Gollum being, uh, you know, his betrayal is what he's meaning for evil. Eru Aluvatar meant for good. Right. And you know, I mean, so. that's sort of what uh, Gandalf said in their conversation in the Mines of Moria when they're mm-hmm. like, what, who is that? What is that that's we're being followed? Gandalf could have been like, hey, Legolas, shoot that little thing. And the- right. That's the end. But Gandalf said, uh, you know, something tells me that he has a part to play in all this. Right. And I think that that ultimately is is the beauty of the Lord of the Rings in that there's there's a lot of things it's like yeah these bad things happen for good it's not your job to figure out what they are it's your job to do good to fight evil do good whether or not you understand every lick of it right so I think I think that it's 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 an admirable theme for a, a work of, of fiction to to be 
a fantasy it's epic. Spelling. Well, I think I think fantasy epics t- can tend to have these large relatable themes, but um, I don't know. Some sometimes I think they want to try to feel more realistic in some ways nowadays. So, hmm. yeah. Well, that's a wrap on our Lord of the Rings surprise moments draft because we didn't know we were doing this and in uh, ahead of time. And I think uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was very fun. Yeah. It took me a moment to like kind of like guide myself through all of the Lord of the Rings moments that I enjoy so much when I watch it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the really goosebumpy parts that I get. Um and that's how I judge movies, right? How many goosebumps I get. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was how many times you cry. That too, right? <laughs> Sometimes those go hand in hand, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So we are the Cine Siblings. My name's Ian. And I'm James. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We tweet stuff occasionally. Um, yeah. So... I'm losing myself in the music and the moment. And so this is. Uh... Thanks for listening, everyone. I lost my train of thought. Uh, he's going to say <laughs> he's, he's going to say until then, watch a new movie. And I'm going to say, catch an old one. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>